Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Criminalia. This season, we're talking about the stories of people accused of practicing magic, sorcery, witchcraft, and alchemy. The history here is complex, and the stories we'll be telling aren't going to be just about the dark arts. They'll also be about the torture and executions of those who were accused, guilty or not. And on that note, I'm Maria Tremarki. I don't know if you're saying that you're guilty or not, but we're going to keep going. I'm Holly Fry. (laughs) (laughs) Agnes Waterhouse was known as Mother Waterhouse in the village of Hatfield, Peverell. She was a widow who was raising a daughter named Joan. And in 1566, at the age of 63, she was accused of bewitching to death a man named William Fine, who died in November of 1565. In the bigger picture, she was accused of using witchcraft to cause harm, and her daughter, who was just 18, was accused of the same crime. We probably wouldn't actually know who Agnes Waterhouse was, except that her name appears on a list of accused felons held by the Essex Record Office among their court records. The felony in this case was suspicion of practicing witchcraft. That was a really serious crime that was punishable by death during this time and place. Agnes was tried in Kelmsford, about 12 miles away from Hatfield Peveril, in the summer of 1566, which made her the first person who can be verified as being executed by hanging after being accused of witchcraft. Sure, there were others before her, but her trial and death are part of the historical record. And what we do know about her life and death may best be told through the records of her trial and the testimonies that were given during it. Agnes Waterhouse was accused of and confessed to practicing black magic. That's the basic gist of it. Her case first passed through the lower court of quarter sessions, which were local courts that held trials four times each year. This is where the details of Agnes's case would have been heard by a justice of the peace. It would then go on to the Assizes, the court where she would be tried and sentenced. It's different than what we know now, but it was normal then. In 1566, there were two stages involved in criminal prosecution. The justice of the peace would perform the examination and committal. This is where Agnes was charged. And that was followed by her arraignment and trial in the courts of Assize, where she would face a jury. The Assizes were held periodically by a higher court in each county. Accusations of witchcraft certainly predate Agnes, and the crime did appear before the courts fairly regularly. 
Assizes convened a few times a year to administer both civil and criminal law and were presided over by visiting judges from higher courts such as those in London. They were held as far back as the Middle Ages and continued to be a type of court of justice in England all the way up until the early 1970s when they were combined with the quarter sessions to become a single permanent crown court. So now that we know how the court system worked during her trial, let's talk about the law. Over the years, various acts of parliament were specifically designed to punish anyone accused of engaging in any form of what was considered to be witchcraft. Not long before Agnes was accused, the Witchcraft Act of 1542 was enacted as England's first anti-witchcraft law, partly in reaction to the growing religious tensions in England during the 16th century, but also partly to address the growing hysteria and fear about the power of witches. The act was made law during Henry VIII's reign and defined witchcraft as using invocations or other magical acts to cause injury, get money, or to behave badly towards Christianity. It did not mention a pact with the devil as a way of identifying a witch, as was the case in different times throughout history. The act didn't just define witchcraft. It also established penalties for practicing these perceived indiscretions. Witchcraft became a crime that could be punished by forfeiture of one's belongings, but depending on the nature of the crime, it could also be punished by death. The act was overturned in 1547 as the king overhauled the legal code. But he died that year and left unfinished business. As a result, there were really no laws against witchcraft on the books in England between the years of 1547 and 1563. But enter Elizabeth I. Queen Elizabeth I rose to the throne in 1558. And under her reign, and just three years before Agnes's trial, the Act Against Conjurations, Enchantments, and Witchcrafts was enacted. Under this new law, the death penalty was to be applied only when harm had been caused, and that crime was considered a felony. Harm, as it was defined in this case, was anyone who, quote, used, practiced, or exercised any witchcraft, enchantment, charm, or sorcery, whereby any person shall happen to be killed or destroyed. The statute also was the first to legally link witchcraft with the devil and devil worship. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. But when we return, we'll talk a little bit more about anti-witchcraft laws and, of course, Agnes's trial. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look 
is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past, and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get started with Agnes's trial and just why it was such a sensational story. Under the Act Against Conjurations, Enchantments, and Witchcrafts, those who were accused of black magic were arrested and put on trial for committing a criminal offense. Those offenses were broken into two branches. Lesser offenses, such as accusations of spreading illness among livestock or turning butter rancid, were sentenced to one year in prison and maybe time in the stocks. But those accused and convicted of major offenses, such as murder, were executed by hanging. At the same time, records show that indictments for murder caused by witchcraft begin to appear in the historical record almost immediately following the implementation of the 1563 anti-witchcraft law. Agnes's trial, held just after the law was in place, ended up setting the stage for subsequent witchcraft trials across England. There are various estimates, some conservative and some quite wild, given of the number of people who were executed for allegedly practicing witchcraft between 1542 and 1736. But it probably hovers around a thousand people in the area where Agnes lived. 
many of the accused and executed were women. Agnes was scheduled to appear at the Midsummer Assize in Kelmsford at the Market Cross House. Essex historian Hilda Grieve wrote of the Market Cross House as being noisy and very public, overall a building totally unsuitable as a courtroom. She described it as, and we quote, an open-sided building with eight oak columns supporting upper galleries and a tiled roof. The galleries, which overlooked the open piazza below, were lit by three dormer windows in the roof. The magistrates and justices sat in open court, which measured only 26 feet by 24 feet, with the officers of the law, counsel and clerks, plaintiffs and defendants, jurors, witnesses and prisoners before and around them, while spectators, hangers-on, and those awaiting their turn crowded into the galleries above and thronged the street outside. Because the trial was scheduled to be held during the summer months, some of the top judges in London, in an effort to escape the heat, often sat in judgment over these courts. Agnes sat before prestigious agents of the law, including Justice Southcote, a justice of the Queen's Bench, Reverend Thomas Cole, who was rector of a church near Kelmsford, Sir John Fortescue, who later became Chancellor of Her Majesty's Exchequer, and Sir Gilbert Gerard, Attorney General. Her trial turned out to be the hottest ticket in town, and the daily details of the proceedings were recorded and distributed as pamphlets, which became popular reading, like reading TMZ or Us Weekly. Someone would tip off a London publisher about statements made in the courtroom. The publisher would then add eyewitness accounts, and eyewitness here, I'm going to air quote, of the scene inside the courtroom. Sometimes they would add poems, but the description of the execution was what was the star of the show. Loving a sensational story, the editors gobbled it all up, and pamphlets were in demand. Agnes wasn't the only woman on trial. Three women, Agnes, her daughter Joan, and a woman named Elizabeth Francis, who was assumed to be Agnes's sister, were all accused of practicing witchcraft. And at the center of this trial was a cat. So we're going to begin with Elizabeth, who was the first to own this cat. She was arrested after Agnes confessed that Elizabeth had given her a cat named Satan in exchange for a cake. Elizabeth told pre-trial questioners that when she was 12 years old, she was given this cat named Satan as a gift from her grandmother. Her story goes on that she then fed her blood to the cat and renounced God. The cat named Satan became her familiar, her witch's companion. There are pieces of Elizabeth's story that describe how she used this cat named Satan, which included asking her cat for certain things, like to bring her sheep, to help her find a husband, which is a story that ended up turning into her having sex out of wedlock, certainly a no-no under religious rules and social mores of the time. Elizabeth got pregnant during an affair, but with the help of her cat, she did marry the child's father. That was a man named Christopher Francis. But this story does not have a happy ending. During a period of, quote, marital unhappiness, Elizabeth killed their child, or she was accused of doing so. At this time in history, as we've said many times, the infant mortality rate was very high, and there could have been any number of a lot of other reasons for the baby's death. Her story was printed in the examination and confession of certain witches at Kensford in the county of Essex in 1566. Because her alleged sexual improprieties were not a felony, though, she was sentenced to one year in prison, with four instances where she would be placed in the stocks. 
There is no mention in historical records that we could locate of any punishment for her child's death. Thirteen years later, though, she was tried, convicted, and hanged for the murder of a neighbor named Alice Poole by witchcraft, specifically by using an enchanted black dog. We'll get to that enchanted black dog in a minute, but let's get back to Satan the cat. The cat was allegedly a demonic spirit, and under Agnes's care, it was used to kill. She confessed she had used Satan to kill cows, pigs, and geese, and to harm brewing and other productions such as dairying, though she was accused of hexing her neighbor, a tailor named Wardall. Agnes reported that Satan the cat told her Wardall's faith was so great he could not be harmed. She had set him against villagers who angered her, she claimed, including the murder of a neighbor and, nine years prior, the murder of her husband. But in court, there was no mention about the murder of a neighbor, William Fine, no mention of the murder of her husband, and no mention of the confession she made about harming livestock and property. The defense was that the cat had done all the crimes of which Agnes stood accused. Despite all of the accusations we've just listed, we haven't actually gotten to the damning accusation yet. So Maria has talked a lot about these confessions, and Agnes did confess to many things. While some sources disagree, this was all likely done under torture. Don't jump to the torture techniques from times like the Inquisition, though. Torture at this time would have included slightly different tactics, such as sleep deprivation or... In some cases, the accused would be bound and thrown into water. And then you have probably heard this story. If the person sank, it meant they were cleansed and innocent. But if they floated, it meant the water had rejected them and they were considered guilty. The reality, though, was that many women were accused of witchcraft because of their appearance. The presence of moles or simply signs of old age were enough to make a person a target. And if a woman had a companion animal, it was surely her devil-driven familiar. I feel like we would all be in a lot of trouble if this were the case today. I feel my, today. my cats and my fine lines and wrinkles surely would put me at risk. Like, whoo, protect me, kitties. <laughs> <laughs> Those practicing their art in the same area as Agnes lived are known to us because of four remaining pamphlets that were published between 1566 and 1589. These pamphlets describe the lives and in some cases, the deaths of 30 women and one man who were accused and prosecuted under the Witchcraft Act of 1563. Prosecutions peaked between 1580 and 1589, so decades after Agnes, but nearly 90% of them were women. Some of the accused confessed that they did do whatever it was they were accused of doing. Some admitted that they only practiced healing spells, and some just outright denied it all. Accusers, as recorded in the trial records from the time, were often likely to create narratives that were kind of a jumble of unverifiable things about witches, with descriptions of illogical or fictional events surrounding the alleged witch. What was real and what was not wasn't always easy to ascertain, but these types of testimonies were exactly the kind of thing that onlookers wanted to hear and read about in those prolific pamphlets. We're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor. When we're back, and after all these accusations, we'll finally get to what was considered to be the incriminating evidence against Agnes. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. Satan the cat was not the only important piece of the trial. There is also a girl named Agnes Brown. Before we get to Agnes Brown, let's jump for a minute to Agnes's daughter, Joan. Her crime was bewitching another girl, the Waterhouse's neighbor, who happened to be 12-year-old Agnes Brown. In court, Joan testified against her mother, a strategy reportedly done in an effort to save herself from execution. At first, she denied any knowledge of witchcraft, but did admit that her mother had attempted to teach her, quote, this art. But then she started to talk. She confessed she had tried to use her mother's familiar, the cat named Satan, to punish her neighbor, Agnes Brown, for basically bullying her. In the end, Joan was not sentenced. She was acquitted. So we have murder, we have animal cruelty, we have property damage in the mix. And among the dead, we have Agnes's husband. Agnes's husband died in 1557 after living, we quote, somewhat unquietly together. Agnes was accused of murdering him, in part, the authorities argued, to get out of her marriage and, as they thought, live life with freedoms that came with being a widow. Agnes, once again under torture, confessed to her husband's murder. But the bulk of the evidence against Agnes, though, had nothing to do with any of these crimes. The incriminating testimony came from Agnes Brown. Because two Agneses here are going to get confusing for the moment, let's refer to them by their full names. Agnes Brown was counseled by clergy before and during her testimony, and her statements appeared in the examination and confession. Her testimony is considered to be the primary reason these women were put on trial. Agnes Brown testified that Agnes Waterhouse kept a demon... Not the cat, but this time in the form of a black dog with a short tail, with a chain and silver whistle around its neck. To that description, she added that the dog had a pair of horns on its head. She told a story about how that dog had spoiled the family's butter. And she also told that the dog threatened to kill her with a dagger, specifically, we quote, a sweet dame's knife. But the piece of damning evidence against Agnes Waterhouse in this testimony was this. Agnes Brown claimed that when she asked the dog who its master was, the dog turned its head toward the Waterhouse home. Agnes Waterhouse, though, countered that Agnes Brown was making this entire story up, saying to her, quote, Thou liest, and that she, Agnes Waterhouse, didn't even own a dagger. While some of the details of the trial may or may not be exaggerated, it is believed that the older Agnes did confront the younger Agnes over being dishonest. 
After Agnes Brand's testimony unfolded Agnes Waterhouse's wrongdoings, Agnes Waterhouse pleaded guilty to practicing witchcraft. If you're wondering why she'd do that, so do many historians, but many conclude that she probably did that guilty plea in an effort to save Joan from execution, the same reason Joan had testified against her mother. So based primarily on the story of a preteen girl, which involved the head turn of a dog as the keystone to the whole portfolio of alleged evidence, on July 29, 1566, Agnes Waterhouse was executed by hanging in front of a crowd gathered at the gallows in Kelmsford. As she stood in front of the large crowd, Agnes gave her confession again, this time repenting and asking for God's forgiveness. She again claimed that she had never stopped praying and that she prayed often, but that she always prayed in Latin because her cat forbade her from praying in her native tongue, English. Agnes's trial really emphasized this cat, and she continued that she, we quote, repented earnestly and unfeignedly and desired Almighty God's forgiveness in that she had abused his most holy name by her devilish practices and trusted to be saved by his most unspeakable mercy. Other witchcraft cases in the summer of 1566 went largely unreported, but of course they were happening. Into the 18th century, accusations of witchcraft and the practice of witch hunting continued to grow into a frenzy. It wouldn't be until the British Witchcraft Act of 1735 that would formally end witch trials across England, Scotland, and Wales. So, Holly. Yes. Come into the cauldron. Yes, please join me by the cauldron. Yes, a charm of powerful trouble is awaiting us. Listen, (laughs) we can't have an entire episode where we talk about a black cat over and over and not have that be the theme of the drink. But that's true. Come on, I'm a crazy cat lady. (laughs) So there are a number of different cocktails that are called black cats. Because what a great image and people love to make them like at Halloween and whatnot. Mine uh, shares some DNA with some of those, but is a little bit different. And I'm calling it the feline devil. (laughs) And it does turn black, which is a delight. That is excellent. This is a super easy one to throw together, too. It's just an ounce of vodka, an ounce of blue curacao. Mm. This is a sub out because a lot of the recipes for black cats you see would put cherry brandy with the vodka or even some other kind of brandy sometimes. But blue curacao. And then three ounces of cranberry juice, and then three ounces of the cola of your choice. Like I did a Diet Coke. Right. Oh, big surprise. (laughs) It turns black. It's a really unique flavor because you get a lot of citrus notes. And, you know, there is a little bit of a citrus note in most cola, and the Mm -hmm. blue curacao pulls that out and kind of like amplifies it a little bit. So it's interesting because it looks very dark, but it has a very summery taste to it. Mm So it does a nice little trick in your mind, much the way an animal making butter rancid might be doing a trick. (laughs) I don't know how that works. I don't know. The mocktail for this one is also easy as pie. You're just going to leave out the vodka and you're going to bump up the cranberry juice to four ounces. Add an ounce of, I would do an orange syrup. If you're really pressed, you can do an orange juice. It just depends. I am not the biggest fan of orange juice, which is why I skipped it. Uh, And then your three ounces of cola and you'll still get, it won't be quite as dark as if you have that 
the blue color of a blue curacao. So you can drop a little food color in there if you're really going for it. Similarly, it looks dark, autumnal and Halloween-y. And then you're like, oh, but it tastes like summer. <laughs> Fun little weird trick to yourself. I will probably make lots of these in the coming year because I really like them. It's very unlike some of the ingredients that you've used in the past. So I'm curious to see what it, it tastes like. I don't do a lot of cola in cocktails. Yeah. Because most people just mix like a thing with cola. Like, right. you know, you have been around me a lot yep. where I'll just get a vodka and Diet Coke. That's been my drink for decades. <laughs> Let's not um, name the number liter- of years. <laughs> literal decades. <laughs> That's always my go-to if you're in a place where, like, it is not going to be a mixed drink, like a, you know, any kind of craft cocktail situation. Great. But I don't tend to use it very much in cocktails for reasons I don't have. (laughs) I shy away from it. Because everybody kind of just does a rum and Coke or a vodka and Coke or whatever, sometimes a whiskey and Coke. So you can can throw that in. Delightful. It does sound delightful. I look forward to it. It's a bunch of ingredients that you don't put together, and I like it. Listen, it's a feline devil. It is. You can cheers to any cats running around your house, but don't share it with them. That's not cool or safe for them. No, although I have one that will stick her face right in it. (laughs) (laughs) What can you do? (laughs) Well, maybe she's a feline devil. She's a feline devil. She kind of is. (laughs) If you have a feline devil in your life, we uh, welcome you to our club. And we're thankful for everybody that spent time with us this week. We will be right back here next week with more stories of witchcraft, some of which are infuriating, but we hope you have a good time with us exploring this history. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.